And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, brought to you by DSP Media Productions. I'm Brady Tinker. Happy Wednesday to you. The Cowboys having their first practice of the week. They've had this long week. Obviously, the winning on Thanksgiving Day gives them a couple of extra days to prepare for the Indianapolis Colts. The 8-3 and three Cowboys get it done on Thanksgiving Day. They are 3-1 and one in the division. They have now leapfrogged the New York Giants. And the Eagles are next. Okay, not really. But the Eagles are next for us to leapfrog in the NFC East. What's next is the Colts at AT&T Stadium on Sunday. The Cowboys are 5-0 and this year at home. And what about OBJ? All that coming up next right here on Off of the Helmets. And here we go, a 28-20 win on Thanksgiving Day. The turkey and the dressing and the pie and the strawberry shortcake that I made for my daughter because that's what we eat for uh, Thanksgiving dessert together was all fantastic. And didn't it go down easy? Happy holidays to all of you. I'm Brady Tinker. Uh, Saquon Barkley came to town as the number three rusher in the NFL. Now he is the number four rusher in the NFL. Nearly a 1,000 yards. I think he's just eight yards short. He's a hell of a back who's been healthy all year, and we know how good he is, how elusive he can be, and how capable he is of breaking the big play. And it just didn't happen for the New York Giants because the Cowboys have taken the time to get together, to self-scout, to be honest enough with themselves, especially when the corners and the safeties uh, who haven't been tackled, who hadn't, been tackling nearly as well in four or five week period have now stepped forward. The crack fill issue. I, I guess I like saying that because I've said it for three shows now where the defensive ends get cracked back blocked, if you will, by a wide receiver or a tight end and shoved in a little bit. That will mean the nearest cornerback or safety on either side fills in the spot on the end, holds up the end, keeps the runners from getting outside. And that job has not been going very well, but the last two weeks much better against Minnesota Certainly better, but they gave up a little bit running, did Minnesota, losing eventually 40-3 to with Dalvin Cook, so his yards per carry weren't terrible. So they were still aware coming in on Thanksgiving Day that a couple of things were true. Running quarterbacks or two-way quarterbacks, true two-way quarterbacks, had done well against them all year, essentially every single time. And that they still need to get better if you're going to play at a championship level because the NFL is rushing for more yards now than it has in 45 years at roughly 4.6 yards per carry. It's amazing. I mean, the league seems to be changing right in front of us, and we could get into that later as to why that's happening. But the NFL is running the ball better, and there are a whole bunch of good running backs on this Cowboys schedule. So Saquon Barkley comes to town. The Cowboys are aware of two things. They're going to keep Daniel Jones in the pocket because they are not terrified by what he can do in the pocket throwing the football. He's better, but most of his wide receivers were hurt coming in that anybody felt was a real threat. And letting him get out, whether it's up the middle because somebody stunted, whether it's off to the side, out on the edge because somebody didn't hold an edge, whatever it is, those are the things that happened in the first game against Daniel Jones where he went, I think, 9 for 87 and they didn't happen in this game. I believe he had three carries for 14 yards. They kept him contained. Saquon Barkley looked frustrated through the middle of the game, trying to make big plays when he should have been trying to get four yards per carry if he could and put his offense in, in a better situation on second, third, and fourth downs. But he got frustrated. He wanted to have a big game. The Giants wanted to win this game because they knew they were underdogs coming in. And they hung tough. There's no doubt about it. The Cowboys gave them an opportunity with a couple of turnovers in the first half to stay in the game to make it sort of a nervous situation until probably mid-third, right? And then the Cowboys were generally 
in control this game because the thing you want to see happen happened. There were wonderful adjustments made at halftime. The Cowboys came out and really concentrated more on running the football, first of all, because why wouldn't you? right? Because this two-headed monster of running backs is doing very, very well and is set up setting up the pass. And Dak's favorite passes actually are play-action passes where people are coming towards the line of scrimmage and he's got room behind. And that's the way every quarterback in the NFL wants it. And that's when he's at his best. So adjustments were made both on offense and defense. And the Cowboys came out from the get-go running the football, which opened up the passing game, which allowed Dak Prescott in this offense to continue making its progression. It's a 28 to 20 win, Saquon Barkley. Uh, and now they've shut down some really good running backs, right? Saquon Barkley has been shut down effectively. Dalvin Cook, Minnesota, these are two of the top four running backs in the NFL, have effectively been shut down by this team. Now in comes Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor is a good running back, and we'll get to that in just a minute. I wanted to also mention the other running quarterbacks that have done well against the Cowboys, Lamar Jackson, obviously very good at what he does. Justin Fields just flying upwards in everybody's radar all of a sudden until the injury. And then Jalen Hurts, obviously still an outside candidate for, for, deep, or for Offensive Player of the Year or MVP. And Daniel Jones had done well in the Week 3 game against the Cowboys. So the Cowboys were essentially none for four at solving two-way quarterbacks. I think the defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn did a great job. The guys in the secondary are taking responsibility, which is what you want. That's who they are. They're a really good defense. They know they're a really good defense. But they came into the Minnesota game ranked 29th against the run. How good is a defense if you're 29th against the run? They shorted up against Minnesota. They were very good against the New York Giants. The rest of this game, it was, it was almost all good news again, right? Now, it may not have seemed to you to be as good-looking as the Minnesota game, but that was a game that a lot of people deemed near perfect. Doesn't happen hardly probably every two or three years, even for good teams, near perfect games. So a 28-20 win may not fire you up, but the Giants score a late, meaningless touchdown. The truth is the Cowboys were in control of this game throughout the second half, and they were clearly the better team. Giants had issues on the offensive line, issues at wide receiver, issues, issues, issues. This is a team you were supposed to beat at home, but you knew they weren't going to lay down, and they didn't. But the Dak thing I keep pointing to, because I harped when he went out and the Cowboys were 0-1, and then they made it through that tough schedule without him, and then Dak came back, and he looked fair. I kept saying, I'm with you that this is a defense first team. And then it's a run first team. The special teams have been great. You can go through the line, check, 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 check. All good things for cold weather playoff teams. But the bottom line is we all know who the best quarterbacks in the NFL are that are going to make it into the playoffs that this team is going to have to beat if they're going to win a Super Bowl. And the bottom line is there are going to be times when this Cowboys team has to score points. 30. Got to put up 30. Doesn't seem ridiculous at all. As a matter of fact, they're close to putting up 30. But there's a difference between blowing out bad teams and, I don't know, you, you can massage numbers any way you want to. But this team has been very good running the ball. Not very good passing the ball, but the last two weeks have gotten better. And I know that Dak's thrown a couple of interceptions, and I know that he says some disturbing things when he says, I'm going to continue to be aggressive. That's the way I'm going to play. The truth is, if you read between the lines, it is what we want. 
And it is what you want as Cowboys fans because back to they're going to have to score some points against some of these really good teams. Philadelphia is coming to town the 24th. That's probably the next time they have to score a fair amount of points to win the football game because Philadelphia is good. And then Tennessee will come to town and they will shut the Cowboys offense down a little bit and you'll have to score points. There are games left to play and then there are playoff games to play where the offense is not going to always be able to look at the defense and say, hold them to 10 and we're good to go. This offense has to play better long way for me to say Dak Prescott is getting better and in the last two games 78% passing 78% okay that's efficient four touchdowns two INTs you may not have liked them but the bottom line is he's trying to be more aggressive and they're trying to be more aggressive and I'm not sure what just happened there I pushed a button sorry about that they're trying to be more aggressive but it it needs to happen so 78% passing, four touchdowns, only two inter- interceptions. And I want Dak Prescott saying, I'm going to continue to be aggressive. Don't you? Don't you want him looking confident about his body? I mean, I, I, I've maintained all along since he came back in the second half of last year. The problems with Dak Prescott were he doesn't believe in this surgically repaired ankle, knee, foot area that then was a calf last year, that then was this and then was that. You you could see a tentativeness about him in the Tampa game, certainly, and then he got hurt with the hand. And then you could see a tentativeness when he came back for a game and a half, but it began to get better, and now it looks a lot better. And it's really important, and the interceptions are not bothering me now because the bottom line is we're not probably going to win the rest of the games. And and you have to be honest and say they're probably not going to win the NFC East. They were a little behind the eight ball with everything that happened, but that's okay. Now what you're looking for is in week 15, 16, 17, as you head into the playoffs, a team that does what the Patriots did for years, and that is – gets better as the season goes along, gets tougher, remains healthy and lucky with that, gets the best seed they can get, and then is out there and says, you know what, we're ready to take on anyone. We, we really, and, and wouldn't they be right now? I mean, who is it that bothers you in the NFC? I was just looking at this. I'm like, who is it that the Cowboys should really be afraid of? So I'm going to peek over here. Play along with me. Philadelphia's 10-1. and 1. Don't you think that the Cowboys are going to beat Philadelphia in Dallas on Christmas Eve? I do. I do. I think their loudmouth coach set them up. I think this team will be so fired up. It will probably be the loudest Cowboys stadium we've ever heard since it opened. Honestly, that's probably the truth. So the the Eagles have a better record. I'm not willing to say they're better. Minnesota's 9-2. and two, Already beat them. Not to say that it wouldn't be tough to go to Minnesota and win. Just saying. Tampa Bay's 5-6, and six and they're winning the NFC South. And would they bother me a little bit in the playoffs? Yes, because Tom Brady and because they won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And there's a lot of guys on that team that know what it means to play big games led by Tom Brady. And then I look at the NFC West and San Francisco does bother me. And every one of you just had a pang the same as I did because you're thinking about last year's playoff game. Things aren't the same. If you stopped now and played San Francisco in a playoff game, it would be a phenomenal football game. They have added Christian McCaffrey. They are getting healthy across the board on offense, almost healthy on defense. They've won four games in a row. And we all know San Francisco knows how to play games and win big games in the playoffs. Okay. Their quarterback is probably the only issue that team has. And he's not terrible. He's just not great. But who scares me? San Francisco would scare me. Tampa Bay would worry me a little bit. Um, If you had to go to Philadelphia, as we stand here right now, that might be a problem, and going to Minnesota might be a problem. That's it. But all of you are saying, not a hell with that. No, 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 you're wrong. Okay, maybe I am. 
Uh, but we'll know that a lot more in the next two or three weeks. Tony Pollard has 23 catches on the year, changing subjects. 23 in 11 games is not very many. 244 yards, so that's 10.7 yards every time he catches it. By the way, of the six biggest plays the Cowboys have had this year, the six longest plays, Tony Pollard has five of them. He only has two games this year where he had at least four catches. One of them, he went four for 55. The other, he went six for 109 and two touchdowns. Tony Pollard is getting to be a bigger and bigger part of this offense. We all had the fear of he's never had more than 14 carries, never had more than, I think, 15 touches. We've now eclipsed that a couple of times. He doesn't look any worse for the wear. And the truth is, while he's played four years in the NFL, this is year number five, his total number of carries just barely now has eclipsed what Zeke had in his rookie year. So it's not total number of carries. It is wear and tear on a slightly smaller body. But Tony Pollard needs to continue to touch the ball more simply because when you and I watch, who's the most explosive player on the Cowboys team on the field when they play offense? It's definitely Tony Pollard, right? I mean, Gallup's looking a little bit more explosive with the ACL. We'll get to that in a minute. CeeDee Lamb has those hips, so maybe he could be a close second. But the most explosive player on the team and every team that really goes along well and has winning streaks and wins in the playoffs, plays defense, can play special teams, can certainly run the football, but they get big plays. They get chunk plays. They have the opportunity to score in a hurry on occasion, to take the onus off of their defense and put points on the board. You have to get Tony Pollard the ball more. I just noticed that's that. 23 catches in 11 games. Two catches a game is fucking ridiculous. Okay, here's some more good news. Now add James Washington who is back practicing in full. I don't know if he will play Sunday against Indianapolis, but he is into that 21-day window where he's been activated off the IR. I expect him back maybe not this week, but probably next week against Houston. Now, don't go overboard. One, James Washington's never really had a truly great season in the NFL. As a rookie, he made an impact. He is a guy who can get deep. He's not especially big, but he has a knack for getting open, deep, running straight routes or long posts, and he will give you some veteran additions to this wide receiver group. Now you're all thinking Odell Beckham, and we're going to get there in a second. But James Washington will be back soon. Now you're getting some depth. Did you not see Michael Gallup at the beginning of that game catch four catches for 50 yards in a hurry and look like there was explosion in his legs again? I did. I did, and I think it's good news. Now, I think he ended up with just five catches, but he got the Cowboys off to a really good start. C.D. Lamb appears to be making an effort, and he and Dak are both talking about it, in making sure he runs the precise routes. We've seen him not cross in front of the safety, et cetera, et cetera, make it up a little bit as he goes along. He has a tendency on routes, quit. He looks around. I think he assesses, I'm not in this play, and he stops. Certainly not for him to do but it is getting better. Is he ever going to be an ace wide receiver? I don't know, but he is going to get paid $25 million a year by this Cowboys team in the next year. So get ready for that. Um, OBJ fell asleep on an airplane before it ever left the ground, did something that I tend to do sometimes when it's cold. And that is pulled a blanket up over his head. Not surprising. He says he does it regularly. That doesn't surprise me either, right? He's OBJ. Leave me alone. I'm on an airplane. Leave me alone, pulling a cover over my head. Apparently, he had not buckled his seatbelt. We've all been on an airplane and fallen asleep without our seatbelt buckled, and you get either a gentle nudge from 
um, someone who's a flight attendant or every once in a while, and I've seen a lot more of them since COVID started, you get cranky flight attendants who are under a lot more stress. I remember the first few planes I rode during COVID where my mask that I had on was a little flappy. I didn't really like it. Uh, so I left the bottom undone so I could breathe more. And I got barked at pretty, pretty firmly on airplanes by flight attendants who were like, sir, calling me out. No problem with it. So I can see how this happened. I can also look the other way and say that I have covered the Cowboys and the NFL for 25 years. And there is a shit ton of arrogance when it comes to skill position, especially, but NFL football players, but skill position players. Can you imagine possibly that OBJ basically just ignored her because he didn't give a shit what she wanted to say. The plane's going to crash. He's going down with it. The seatbelt's not going to make any difference anyway. Fuck off. So there's probably a little bit of both of those things in this. The good news is he didn't get arrested. Apparently he's not put on uh, one of those no-fly things, right, where all of a sudden he caused a ruckus on an airplane. The airplane wasn't moving. It was on the ground. It was still sitting on the runway. Eventually they took the plane back to the runway because the flight attendant said he was non-responsive or grousy to him, wouldn't put on a seatbelt, posed a danger to everyone else. They took the airplane back. The police came on board. He got off. Nobody got arrested and everything is the way it is. There's probably two sides of that coin. All I'm saying is I've seen them both. I've been treated like shit on an airplane by a flight attendant who was cranky because sometimes we're dicks to them. And I have certainly seen arrogant football players basically think they are above doing what the rest of us are supposed to do. Cowboys don't seem to be concerned by it. There were no arrests made. Now the OBJ thing is getting big. I said to you two shows ago when CD was struggling to run routes properly and and Michael Gallup's knee did not appear to be genuinely responding to where he was an explosive player, that it really wasn't a luxury anymore to sign OBJ. It was a necessity. I'm backing off of that a little bit, to be honest with you. Not to say that James Washington is the answer to anything other than some more veteran depth. He is. But CD looks better. The communication looks better. Gallup's leg looks better. Dalton Schultz, really, uh, I would give Dalton Schultz an award right now because I know how much pain he was in. We saw him in week seven with the ACL uh, sprain that he had around his right knee. And he came back and tried to play and couldn't play and then played the next game. And they threw him four balls and he didn't catch any. And he was so obviously hurt and hurting and in pain. And yet he, along with Britt Brown and the training staff, have gotten him back to where he feels better. And right now, Dalton Schultz is playing fantastic. You would have to say that. This is the Dalton Schultz that got roughly $12 million uh, in a one-year contract this year. This this is that guy. And will he be here next year? Will they franchise him again? Maybe. Maybe. It'll be about $13 million. I doubt he's getting a big contract. But he's a really good football player. And Dak Prescott trusts him, likes him, and he helps this team be better. So... Tip of the hat to Dalton Schultz. I'm telling you about that. But OBJ, I don't think now as we sit here, is a necessity. And I think Stephen Jones is tapping the brakes quite a bit saying, is it really going to cost the rest of this year and two more years at $20 million a year to get 30-year-old Odell Beckham Jr. on this team coming off of two ACL surgeries in 20 months? That seems heavy. Jerry Jones has basically put it like this. If I can see him and we can see him and know that soon, if we sign him, whatever, in the next week, know that within a couple of weeks, he will be out 
impacting the Dallas Cowboys that we will see it now, not not this week or next week, but now in the last, let's just say we see OBJ in the last three or four games and he's impacting this team and he is fast and even almost as electric as you've ever seen him be, then Jerry Jones is saying in some version of that, the answer is yes. His hang up is, I haven't seen it. I've seen some workouts. I've seen a little bit of video. I haven't seen him. I want to see it, and I want to be comfortable with the fact that we are getting the OBJ, let's say, who played in four playoff games for the Rams last year and was extremely effective. Jerry's all now. If I can get it, because he feels like this is a Super Bowl team, and, and it is a Super Bowl contending team. They are on a trajectory to have a an amazing season, and we're going to go through that in a minute. An amazing season. So Jerry is stuck on yes, if he's now or some version of now, and he's electric because he's kind of an electric personality. So that's in Jerry's head too. What electric personalities came here and helped? Dion, right? Charles was not an electric personality, but he was an electric player. And both of those guys made major, major impacts on everyone on the field around them in a four or five year period for the Dallas Cowboys to win three Super Bowls. They flatly did. And I know that's in Jerry. He remembers the greatest things that he ever did. And certainly the late Dion signing is one of them. And certainly above that is the Charles Haley signing who helped them win all three Super Bowls. He knows that feeling. Steven's not on the same page with that being, if he's now, I'm good for the rest of this year and 20 million a year for the next two years. I promise you he's not. But Jerry will win this if he can be convinced with his eyes that Odell Beckham Jr. is ready or will be ready very soon to be an impact football player on this Cowboys team that he wants to be able to march through the playoffs and play in the Super Bowl. That's what it's come down to. If now for Jerry, yes. Steven, teeth gnashing over the contract. But as we know, in these situations, Jerry Jones always wins. Two torn ACLs in the last 20 months. So me, yes. If you believe for a second that he's electric, but I'd want to see it too. Up next, the Indianapolis Colts, Jeff Saturday got the head coaching job. Everybody's pissed. Um, I'm not even going to get into that. Jeff Saturday was one hell of a football player. He is representative of what the Indianapolis Colts think they are and must've been buddies with the owner. So he gets the job. Probably shouldn't have. That's not the way that, Head coaching jobs and coaching jobs in the NFL are supposed to work. Uh, everyone is supposed to get an interview. It's supposed to be a process. These are valued teams that are worth four, five, six billion dollars each, and it's supposed to go a certain way. It didn't. You and I, we don't really give a shit. The Colts are one and two since Jeff Saturday got the job. Last week, he mismanaged the clock at the end of the game, and the Colts had a chance to come back and get the game tied. The Colts are four, seven, and one, one and two under Jeff Saturday. He's done a couple of things. As I would have, as a veteran of whatever, 12 years in the league, who's been around this team as a coach, um, Jeff Saturday looked out there and said, I'm putting Matt Ryan back in. He's slow, he's sluggish, but he's a veteran. He makes the proper reads. He gives us the best chance to win. We'll run the football a lot. They won their first game, but it was against Oakland. Who can't Oakland? Sorry, Las Vegas Raiders, who can't beat anybody. And they've lost their last two games, but they have played competitive games. Indianapolis is not going to roll over. We all thought, those of us that are there, pundits and experts all thought Indianapolis when the season began was going to win that division. 
We thought Matt Ryan had more. We thought Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in the NFL. And we had seen the last couple of years, Indianapolis's defense had been effective and their offensive line's pretty darn good. So they're going to win that division. Now we all think these guys suck. We lose them, it'll be the worst thing that ever happened. I don't think they're that bad. So I caution you, and I know the Cowboys will be cautious in their approach to the Indianapolis Colts because these next three games are games that you need to win. Eight and three is great. 11 and three is going to really give you an opportunity to do what you want to do. They've committed to stopping the run. They've done a nice job with Dalvin Cook. They did a great job on Saquon Barkley. And here comes Jonathan Taylor. If you play fantasy football, Jonathan Taylor was probably, if you got the first pick, the guy that you picked this year. Uh, if not, he was top two or three, no doubt. A fantastic running back. It has been an uneven season for him, but in the last three games, he has 317 yards on 64 carries. That's 100 yards a game, quick math, and it's 4.9 yards per carry, and it's a rushing TD in each of the last three games. That will have the Cowboys in film sessions figuring out how Jonathan Taylor is getting through what holes and what they need to do to continue to make this defensive statistically get better and make them know they're better at stopping the run. Here comes Jonathan Taylor. He's good. He's healthy. And I guess I'll stop there. Also, good news or bad, here comes Matt Ryan. I always hated Matty Ice. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, been a very good player, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's 37. If you watched him any this year, the ball's coming out just more slowly. He can virtually not move anywhere in the pocket, uh, and he's an easy target. So he's a veteran. They'll try and run the football. They'll try and get him some easy play action passes. They'll try and get the ball out to the count of two, because if they don't, the defense is going to watch film and get on the field, and they're all going to point and say, he's right there. Guess where he's going to be after the snap? He's going to be right there. Tank, Dorrance, Micah, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams, all of you, I'll meet you there. The over and under, my over and under on Cowboy sacks in this game is five. I think you should probably take the over, especially if the Cowboys get an early lead. It could be a sack fest. On defense, they're going to stop the run. And I don't even know, you know, Michael Pittman, the Indianapolis wide receiver is really good. And, but he hasn't had a really good season. He's not open as often, and Matt Ryan is not delivering the ball on time, and they're not throwing the ball more than 10 or 15 yards in the air hardly ever. So does Diggs get Pittman? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I even think that's necessary. But they get the Colts. They will continue to do their positive work on the running game. They've stopped Delvin Cook pretty well. They've stopped Saquon Barkley very well. And now here comes Jonathan Taylor. The Colts will compete. It will not be easy but they're just not good enough. Matt Ryan's old, 37, stands still just like I would back there, moves around a little bit, thinks he's going to get out of a sack, and he doesn't, uh, holds the ball too long, falls down, tends to fumble. Micah Parsons has 12 sacks and three forced fumbles. He's going to probably pad those stats. The, the Indianapolis offense is last in yards per play, last in converting on third down, and last in explosive plays. The hardest thing for the Cowboys in this game is going to keep their intensity up and let's 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 get a shutout. Let's get something close to a shutout on defense. Let's give them nothing. Because if you let your mind wander for a second, you're going to say, these guys suck. Last in explosive plays, last on third downs. He never throws the ball more than 12 yards in the air, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You front seven, go get them. We'll do what we do back here and we're good to go. Probably that's true. But it is also the NFL and we've seen – Every team in the NFL, including Philadelphia, lose to a team we didn't think they were going to. 
So corral Jonathan Taylor, keep your head in the game, blow their asses out, get some more signature wins, get your arrogance flowing, get teams finally talking about you. When you're nine and three and you're 12 games in and teams are talking about you, that's perfect timing, perfect timing. And isn't it amazing when you think about this season? I was just thinking back because I, I sort of yelled at you last week before the Giants game saying, this is not the same old Cowboy shit where they beat Minnesota and then they're going to fold against the Giants at home because that's what this team has done for 26 years. First of all, you all have watched and you all are good sports fans and you're knowledgeable. Shit doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter what happened 24 years ago or 23 or 22 or 21. It doesn't matter what happened in Romo's era. And it doesn't matter what happened two years ago. It doesn't. All that matters is now. Is this team physically good enough? Yes. Are they well coached? Absolutely. Do they have enough players, uh, leaders? Yes, they do. And is that locker room together? It absolutely is. And they love Dak Prescott. They love Micah Parsons. They love their coaches. There's a lot of guys on this team going to the Pro Bowl. There's a lot of guys on this team getting paid. If you want to know how to affect your players, help them get paid. Let them play more. All of those things are happening on this Cowboys football team. But isn't it amazing that at 0-1 with a loss to Tampa Bay that was, well, I think it was 20-3, to felt like 50-3, to and didn't it feel like the season was over when Dak Prescott went down with a another injury didn't it it felt like that to me and somehow cooper rush and this coaching staff got it together and won four games in a row i mean it seems like last year that dak was out for the year and we were maybe going to tank doesn't it but i wasn't week one tampa whips your ass and your quarterback is out and in comes cooper rush oh shit and oh shit turned to we won four in a row and now we're nine and three this is not the same old cowboys team so here's your schedule Indianapolis at home should certainly be a win. Houston at home absolutely should be a win. Probably be a 14 or a 15 point line. At Jacksonville, they're marginally dangerous. They are getting better. They have more good players, but they have not at any time this year put together a streak where you said, here they come. Maybe that's next year. Maybe Lawrence is finally going to get there. Etienne looks pretty good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not Jacksonville. So Indy, Houston at Jacksonville, then Philadelphia on the 24th of December. Pointing to that one, aren't you? Did Nick Sirianni, their arrogant coach who's screaming, fuck you across the line of scrimmage of the Cowboys coach for no particular reason. Did he not get you going? Does he not get you going when you watch them? Can't wait. If they win that, they will have won four games in a row. They end the season in tough fashion at Tennessee. And at Washington, you could never take one of those teams for granted. But this thing is looking good. A little bit more good news before I let you go. Tyron Smith is probably a week away from being activated into that 21-day window where he has 21 days to convince himself and the coaching staff and everyone else that he should be on this active roster. That's going to happen. So Tyron Smith might not be more than two or three weeks away from playing James Washington is a week or two away from playing. Jason Peters is getting healthier and healthier. Tyler Smith, who's done a, an admirable job at left tackle, will be able to kick inside the left guard. That will not bother him. His ego is going to be fine. He's going to learn more from Jason Peters and from Tyron Smith, and he's going to end up being a hell of a player. Michael Gallup's ACL looks better, and OBJ may or may not be a cowboy. And I would have said, I did say to you two weeks ago, it's now a must. Don't necessarily feel that way. I'm kind of rooting for it, but I'm rooting for it under Jerry's terms. 
I want OBJ and I'll settle with whatever happens in the next two years because you do everything you can possibly do to win a Super Bowl. And there's a window here in the NFC to have an opportunity to play Kansas City or Buffalo would be my my idea in the Super Bowl. There's a big opportunity here. Cowboys fans, this is great. And maybe, hopefully I'm not too positive for you. I want you to know, 25 years covering this team, I'm no shill. I was born and raised in Kansas City. I root for this team because it's good for my business and DSP Media's business when they're winning and when they're more interesting. But I'm not a Cowboys fan. These are honest thoughts. I've been in the locker room for over 20 years. I know what good teams feel like and look like and the communication and the vibe. And it is clear on the down years when things are sectioned off and they don't like them and they don't like them and everybody goes their different ways and everybody eats separately and everybody shows up at the at the facility separately versus what's going on in the last two years, to be honest with you. In the last two years under Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and the rest of this coaching staff, the special teams have been great too. This is different. This is not the same old shit. And I know you're wounded from 26 years of crap and of we had it, but we didn't have it. This ain't the same group. I ain't promising you anything. Winning a Super Bowl is really hard. It's really hard. But this is a team with the character and enough players and enough depth. OBJ comes, he comes. If he doesn't, the progression of Dak Prescott, the run defense, and the leaders on this team and the coaches on this team put this team in a position to be the NFC champion this year. And we'll talk about more next. Thank you very much for joining me. This is Off of the Helmets. I'm Brady Tinker for DSP Media. Enjoy talking to you. Happy holidays. I love the damn holidays. The next five shows are going to be happy holidays, whether you like it or not, because I love the holidays. Thanksgiving was good. Isn't Christmas Eve going to be great? I'll see you next week. I'm Brady Tinker for Off of the Helmets. Actually, I'll see you Friday. Friday at two. Okay? You and me. Friday at two. Thanks for watching.